So we are working our way through James, and we're on uh, finishing up chapter 3 today. But I want to first, uh, just a small recap on what we've been through in chapters 1 and 2, is as I'm only up here every six weeks, and I don't know about you guys, but I forget easily, and uh, I know some are new as well, so we'll recap that first. This is, uh, as we get there, but we're looking at wisdom, seeking wisdom from above. But before that, <clears throat> so going through the epistle, James, uh, we have heard and seen what a true religion looks like, which is pure and undefiled religion. Uh, it's keeping itself one unstained you know, by the world. This religion is not just a profession of faith, okay, but is a faith with works. A genuine faith is marked with good deeds and fruits of the Spirit. And the fruit is just that. It's of the Holy Spirit, from God. All light, all wisdom, any joy in a trial, the faith to believe in Christ, the faith to persevere in Christ, all humility, all peace. All of these fruits are perfect gifts from the Father of lights. Hence, any pure and holy living, you know, any good deed, we must not and cannot boast in, for it is the Lord's alone. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, are we justified and made righteous. It is not by our own will, or our power, or intentional, dutiful, clean living that earns our way to eternal glory, but it is by God's will, who being rich in mercy, brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. In being regenerated creatures, true believers in Christ seek and strive to live out a pure and undefiled religion. He's not only a hearer of the word, but as a doer of the word. He is slow to anger and slow to speak. He doesn't show personal favoritism, but practices the royal law according to scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He restrains his tongue, knowing that like a wildfire, it has the power to destroy. Or it's like the, the fountain, uh, which gives life and is nourishing and quenching. So James has clearly identified the source and the fruits and the characteristics of a pure religion. Now he goes on to test the listener's wisdom and understanding, making a clear distinction between earthly in a heavenly wisdom. So we'll look at our text for today in James three thirteen through 18. If you would turn with me there, please, and if you're able to stand, and we'll read together. Starting in verse 13, going through 18. The holy inspired word of God says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But... The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, and gentle, and reasonable, and full of mercy and good fruits, 
unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray. Gracious Father, teach us today by your Holy Spirit. O Lord, we need your wisdom. We must understand your truths. Help us to live out a glorious faith, to hear your words today. God, soften hearts when we receive your implanted word. Let's lay aside cares or loves for the world or lusts of the flesh. Oh God, make us pure. Let's hear your word today. In Christ's precious name, amen. You may be seated. So what is wisdom? We know that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Job 28, 28, Proverbs 1, 7, and Proverbs 9, 10. God is the author and giver of wisdom. Daniel 2, 20. For the wisdom and power belong to him. Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Colossians 2.3, Christ in himself, whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. R.C. Sproul comments that everything we need to know about the Father and how to properly interpret reality and to live to his glory is accessible to all believers in Christ. So, but what does wisdom look like in our lives? What is heavenly wisdom versus human wisdom or earthly wisdom? This is important to know because the more you understand God's true wisdom and apply it, this will result in a blessed life that's bearing fruits of gentleness and peace and mercy and joy. The linchpin here is that it must be applied you will see that planting the seeds of peace takes work. Not being a hearer only, but a doer. So digging into our text, you will first see James' uh, tests for true wisdom. 13 again, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in gentleness of wisdom. So the question is first asked, Who among you is wise and understanding? The answer is that wisdom and understanding is shown by good behavior and conduct. And what is good behavior? It's works and deeds that are done in gentleness and meekness of wisdom. True wisdom is not intellectual, it's behavioral. Wisdom is not just knowing something, it's knowing and doing it. Again, applying it, living it out. It's a faith plus works. It's like James said earlier in, in 2.18, chapter 2, verse 18. Show me your faith without the works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. It's foolishness to know truth and not apply it. It is wisdom to know truth and live it. As Jesus said in Matthew 
24 and 26. Listen to this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who has built his house on the rock. But on the contrary, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So it's, it's, it's foolish to hear, continue to hear God's word again and again and again at his commands and just not act on them. You know, we delude or fool, or fool ourselves, as James said in one twenty-two. For you come, you know, for you to come here and, and hurt, hear the word of truth and to leave and not apply it to your life is foolishness. Like how many times I've done this, where I, I sit right here and listen to the word preached, you know, again and again and again, and I, I have these desires and motivations and these goals when I'm sitting there, but then I go home and forget. It's foolishness. Not applying it. This is why it's so important to work hard at listening. I'm not the only one working here. You're not here to put your weekly check mark in the box. You're here to obtain a higher view of God that you will have a higher worship. You're here to gain a more intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ so that you conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know, that is building your house upon the rock. That is wisdom from above. It is, is a heavenly wisdom that shows itself, that conducts itself with humility and meekness. This is sowing the seed of peace. Sowing the seed of peace that produces a harvest of joy and peace and harmony and love for one another. It's selfless and without partiality. This is the true wisdom that we are striving for. So let's listen up as James gives the characteristics and results of a false wisdom that is not from above. This, is, this would be the foolishness we want to avoid. Look at 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant, so lie against the truth. James begins by explaining that you know, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition are determined in your heart. Okay? They're, they're born in the heart. Motivations, desires, and lusts all begin in the heart. And deeds and conduct and behaviors are what flow and spring from the heart. They, they surface from that. Solomon warns, warns in Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Jesus in Matthew 15.19, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, false testimonies, thefts, and slander. These are the jealous and selfish behaviors that spring from the heart. So as always, the heart is what needs addressed when issues and conflicts arise. It's critical to understand this not only for our own sanctification and, and joy in the faith, but for instance, if you desire you know, to raise a child up in the way he should go, then always address the heart when ungodly behaviors address or, uh, surface themselves. You know, for example, when you know, little Johnny hits uh, his sister, uh, we, we wouldn't yell as a parent, Johnny, don't hit your sister. You're just addressing the behavior, right, what surfaced from the heart. Instead, point him to the Word of God and point him to Christ. Have him read, you know, or read to him, if you can't read yet, you know, Philippians 2.3, just as one example. Do nothing from selfishness or vainglory, but with humility of mind. 
regard one another as more important than yourself. Say, Johnny, are, are you regarding your sister as more important than yourself? With love and gentleness, then help him understand you know, that his behavior came from the heart, and it's, it's selfish and jealous, and it's unloving, and therefore unchristlike. Looking uh, more at the words bitter jealousy, uh, which is the first motivation of false wisdom, is the worst kind of jealousy, as it's this, this bitterness is it's a piercing, it's sharp or a pungent. Um, James used the same word in verse 11, uh, describing the, the fountain in speech. Basically to describe the bitter water from the fountain. The, this, this kind of jealousy is... You know, it's, it's harsh, it's sharp, it's harmful when it, to anyone it contacts. It can, and that's interesting, it also means uh, zeal in a positive sense. You know, as having zeal for God or zeal for Christ. It's, uh, you know, enthusiasm, devotion, and passion. But in this context, it's, it's, a, it's negative passion and devotion for things related to self. It's having such passion for oneself that anything that threatens your well-being, or which might enhance pride, you know, you carry it out. It could be taking credit for someone else's idea, something as simple as that. Belittling someone because of their righteousness, because they're trying to live a holy life. Or taking, uh, you know, for your children, for taking a toy that doesn't belong to you. This motivation, it's, it's very closely related to the second motivation of false wisdom, selfish ambition. This, is, this selfish ambition, it's, it's self-seeking. Okay? It's, it's like self-passion. It's devotion to oneself, having no regard for um, feelings or welfare of others. Everything, everything this person does has one purpose. It's to glorify and elevate self. It sets one's needs or your needs above the other. It's, uh, it, it seeks self-gratification, self-fulfillment at any cost. It's devoid of humility, love, kindness, and gentleness. Selfish ambition is typically the motive for bitter jealousy in many, many other sins. Children, do you understand what I'm talking about here? Good, I got a thumbs up. When you cry about something, you know, when, uh, when you get angry at a brother or sister, it's simply because you're not getting what you wanted. Maybe you set your eyes on what someone else had and you became jealous and you just had to have it. So you hit, steal, cry, you might lie, not to get your way. This is an ungodly wisdom. We adults... We may find ourselves with similar behaviors when you know something or someone gets in between us or, or self and what we want. We cry, we, uh, but in different ways you know, we cry. We might give our spouse a silence, the silent treatment or a friend you know, or a co-worker. Yelling at traffic, maybe avoiding certain people because you know, they're different or annoying. Many of us have been there. This arrogance is not 
wisdom from above. It is sin. And there is, there is nothing here to boast about or to rejoice in. It's because, it, because this contradicts the gospel of Jesus Christ in the whole New Testament. I mean, look, who is Christ? He came to serve and not be served. With commute, complete humility and selflessness, laying down his life, he became poor so you might become rich. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. For do you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. If a person claims to have the wisdom of God, if he professes to be a Christian, yet is proud and loveless in his life, is characterized by selfish ambition and bitter jealousy, he is simply lying against the truth, as our text says. Simply lying against the truth. It's like James argued earlier in in chapter 2. If faith has no works, it's dead being by itself. So do not be arrogant to lie against the truth. This wisdom, look at verse 15, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. Any wisdom or logic that is not from God is earthly, sensual, and devilish. It's not from the Father, but of the world. 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but of the world. It seems strange even you know, to call this wisdom something that could be earthly, natural, demonic. But it's because it has some logic to it. But you think, think about the logic that's behind it. It says, take man's desires, his self-will, and his understanding, and apply it to life. So it's the opposite of what we see of wisdom, right? But it's still, it's still logic. It's devoid of God's will. It's devoid of faith in God's truth. And instead, it relies and trusts in what man can comprehend. And it's, it's, confines to, it's just confined to things that man can see, that he can explain, imagine, discover, and achieve by himself. It has no room for God or the mysteries of God or the supernatural works of God. You know, for instance, an earthly and natural mind, it, it, it cannot conceive the earth being created in six literal days. As God's word says it is. So what does man do? He creates outlandish theories such as evolution. And that you know, aliens created our genetic code. But this is where, you understand, this is where the human mind goes. You know, if God is not acknowledged honored and glorified. We see this in Romans 1, 21-22. It's more than that, but just this, this snippet here. Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and foolish in their hearts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They trusted in what they could comprehend. You know, natural wisdom, it's, it's unspiritual as it, relates to, as it relates only to the unredeemed man who is wholly corrupted by the fall and separated by God. 
Therefore, as in 1 Corinthians uh, 2.14 says, But a natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. Along with demonic wisdom, which is it's, it's full of lies, this is the type of thinking or logic in which leads so many astray. This is what you know, leads to false gospels, where there's, there's no mention of sin or repentance. It leads to a humanistic, easy believism salvation. It leads churches to removing their children from hearing the word of God preached during worship service. It leads to fostering little youth churches that are, are segregated from the fellowship. It leads families to giving you know, higher priorities to sports and money and hiking and dancing and hunting and, and you know, all forms of entertainment over the things of God. It leads souls away from trusting and obeying and worshiping our great God. You should now be able to see that you know, th- this false wisdom causes chaos. It, its result is uh, disorder and every evil thing. So we want to explain in verse 16. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Disorder basically means uh, confusion, disturbance, or instability. And the results of jealousy and selfish ambition are disorder and instability in oneself, in the family, in the church, in the state, the nation. Each one of these entities has, has laws to abide by. And in the end, it will be self-law or God's law. It will be self-will or God's will. Wherever God's law is abandoned or not followed, again, chaos, confusion, and every evil deed will result. Its product could be homosexuality in one's personal life. It could be divorce and adultery in family, family. dissension, um, arguing and conflicts in the church, Laws for gay marriage in the state. We could, I mean, you could go on and on and on and on. Chaos. Wherever human, earthly, worldly wisdom supersedes God's law, then disorder and every evil thing will result. This, this disorder does not characterize God's people, though. I mean, do you think there is rejoicing and and blessing, and, and worship, and spirit, and truth, when any of these disorders are, are present in, the, in your life, or in the family, or in our church, in the church? I think not. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, the product is bitterness, and crimes, and conflicts, and church divisions, and world wars. The list could go on. But a wisdom brings a peace and joy, and unity, and intimacy, and trust, and fellowship, and harmony. It brings order because God is not a God of confusion, but a God of order. He is a God of peace. 1 Corinthians 14.33 So the wisdom from above, looking at verse 17, but... The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, and gentle, and reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. The wisdom from above is first pure. I have to admit up front, uh, I I focus mainly on pure here. There's this 
This would have been a lot longer if I wanted to go into each one of these words, but there's, man, there's so much goodness here to study and to understand about just being peaceable and gentle and reasonable and full of mercy and good fruits and you know, unwavering. There's uh, different translations for you know, not being partial or showing personal favoritism without hypocrisy. But anyway, wisdom above is first pure. Pure means spotless and stainless, and it's, just, it's free from what weakens and pollutes. Or containing nothing does not properly, properly belong. A pure wisdom is free from selfish ambition and jealousy. Looking throughout the Word of God, you know, pure is described, used, it's described many things. It used to describe many things. There's, there's a pure heart, a pure gold, pure virgin, pure motives, pure milk, pure water, pure perfume, pure wool, and, of course, a pure religion. As James expressed earlier in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 27, and something that is pure is, is, has value, and it's, it's greatly desired, right? But when tainted, it becomes impure and thus undesirable. Now, some of you knew, you know, I grew up on a dairy farm milking cows. And it would, every so often, the, you know, a cow would get sick and have to be you know, some type of antibiotic or drug administered you know, to that cow. And... Um, so, but when we, when we milked, when that cow was milked, it had to be um, milked separate. It was separated from the rest. Okay, not from the herd, but it was milked into a separate tank, you know, like a five-gallon tank or something, metal bucket. And so that, you know, again, it wouldn't contaminate the rest of the milk because there's a drug in it. Um, so we were looking for, obviously, a pure milk, and thus have value, and it'd be desirable, and in the end, of course, sellable, right? So I recall one time, it's probably one of my brothers, um, let the contaminated milk get in with the rest of the milk, might have been me. And so this is like a 1,500-gallon tank, okay? And, um, well, you've got to imagine what has to be done with the milk. It's literally poured I mean, down the drain. So $3,000 literally down the drain. It's because of this small, it could even be a gallon, but generally three gallons, you know, give or take. Take had to be dumped. It was, had this stuff in it was not supposed to be there. So you see, the true wisdom from above is, is pureness in heart and life. It too easily can be contaminated, too easily contaminated with earthly and sensual thinking, just making it worthless. Your pure wisdom, it has no selfish ambition, again. And, and envy and partiality and hypocrisy. But it's peaceable and gentle and, and reasonable, full of mercy, and full of good fruits. These fruits are the product of the true wisdom, and this kind of wisdom is what we must cry out for. This wisdom is to be sought out like, like one searching for hidden treasure. I, just, I love Proverbs uh, 2, We're looking at 3 through 5 here. For if you cry out for discernment, if you lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. If. Sorry, another story, but you know, one time I, I lost my gold ring in the snow, and it was like six inches deep. 
And so I went to great efforts to um, scoop all the snow up in like a six-foot radius around me because I didn't know where it went. I flung my gloves off and it flew out. I took all the snow into the bathtub and let it melt. I didn't find it. I had bought a junk um, metal detector off eBay, and I found everything but my ring in the, in the backyard, a bunch of junk. And so, of course, you know, wanting to find this, not only because what Kristen might want to do to me if I don't find it, you know, but again, it's, it has you know, physical value, right? It's gold, pure gold, and um, it's sentimental value as well, like some of you know. Well, I, I didn't find it, and I ended up buying a new ring. But the, the, the point of that is it's, it, it was great effort. There was great effort to find that gold or that lost gold because it had value, right? It was pure gold. But this is the kind of seeking that must be done for true and pure wisdom. It, it's hidden. You have to go searching for it. It doesn't go and find you. Wisdom that is hidden treasure, it, it's the hidden treasure. We saw it's hidden treasure in Christ. And you must go looking intently into the pure, holy, perfect law of liberty. James one twenty six says, This person will be blessed in what he does. And the product will be, by God's grace, a life of gentleness and that is full of mercy and good fruits. This person reaps uh, these fruits of righteousness because he labors at sowing a life of peace. Moving us to verse 18. In the seed, whose fruit is righteousness, is sown in peace by those who make peace. And I found it helpful here to have some pauses or maybe stick some commas in here. So if you look at this again, in the other, the other translations, the, um, the seed isn't here. Um, but I believe it's placed here because it's actually a seed that's planted. Okay, It's not the fruit. It's the seed of the fruit that's planted. So anyway, so look at it like this. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness, is sown in peace by those who make peace. Okay, so the, the peace, this peace that one makes or, or plants or pursues after or exercises and maintains, it's the seed that is sown. And the fruit of the seed of peace is righteousness. Again, whose fruit is righteousness. It results in a life of integrity and, and, and virtue and purity of life, a right way of thinking, feeling, and acting. Righteousness is the good behavior and deeds that James mentions in verse 13 in the first place. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good fruit um, behavior, let him show by his good behavior, sorry, his deeds and gentleness of wisdom. That's the fruit of planting the seed of peace. It's key to understand that, you know, also, that we work hard and plant the seed of peace, but we must always remember that it is God who brings forth the fruits of righteousness. Is that is just as he is the one that makes a seed grow in your garden or the field. You can plant it, but yeah, he grows it. Paul speaks of this in 1 Corinthians 3, 6-8. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants... Nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Just the planting of the seed again. 
It is God who receives the glory, and we receive the reward according to our own labor. We receive the reward, reward according to our own labor. What, what are these rewards? You know, this has been plethered throughout so far, but you know, Isaiah 32.17 says, in the, in the works of righteousness will be peace. In the service of righteousness, quietness and confidence forever. Young ones may not quite understand this yet, or children, but I tell you what, when you get older, you, you really want quietness and confidence. It's a great thing to have. I like how Thomas Manton puts it, those who combine care for righteousness with their attempts at making peace will have multiple blessing and increased grace with peace in the present and will reap the crop of it hereafter. So there must be great care and genuine attempts at making peace. We must always be working, sowing seeds of peace, working the soil, killing weeds of sin, making our hearts fertile and humble to receive God's pure word of truth, the wisdom from above. So some questions to ask yourself. Is there too much care for things that you want to accomplish on this earth? I know this is when chaos comes in my life, when I have a lack of peace. When I'm trying to accomplish something and something gets in my way. Are you too often sowing seeds of selfishness that's producing chaos in life and robbing you of peace? Are you a warrior or, or quick to anger? Do you need to show more gentleness and mercy? Do you desire a life of, of fullness, a life full of peace and joy and blessedness? Well, I'll say there are two main answers. Maybe you might know what they are. One, seek godly wisdom in his word. And two, cry out for it or ask for it in prayer. James also gives us answer you know, back in chapter 1, verse 25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, the man will be blessed in what he does. Again, two, or uh, verse 5 also. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, any or who gives to all generously without reproach. God is the storehouse, and it will be given to him, to you. You can't ask doubtingly. Children, it's, it's the same as a familiar song. It goes, read your Bible and pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible and pray every day, and you'll... Grow, grow, grow. Grow in what? By God's grace, you'll grow in wisdom and in righteousness. Master, just one last thing. Look at Galatians 2.20 with me. Galatians I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. If it is Christ who lives in me, in you, we must put to death the passions and desires of the flesh. We must pray as Christ did before his death, not my will, but yours be done. This must be driven deep into our hearts, encompassing every thought. It must be preceding every choice and every action. Not my will, not my will, not my will. Yours be done. Let's pray. Oh, Father, uh, we are a wayward people, and we so easily go our own way and our own understanding and our own knowledge and the things that we can only see or achieve or believe. Oh God, help us to believe in your word and to trust it and to obey it and to live it and to love it and to desire it more and more and more every day. Give us the conviction to be in your word more, be communing with you more, worshiping you more, praying, asking for wisdom again and again and again. Oh, Lord, help us to persevere. Lord, we ask for the fruits that we know you only grow for this wisdom from above. In that it, we can have the harvest of a peace and, and joy and the blessings from above. Pray this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Well, like always, we have.